This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WNYC studios in Soho. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. I'm really grateful you're here on the show today. Psychologist John and Julie Gottman will spend an entire hour with us talking us through how to turn conflict in relationships into connection. It's a subject of their latest book, We'll Learn How to Fight Right. And poet and author Crystal Wilkinson will join me to discuss her latest book. It is beautiful. It blends memoir with recipes. It's called Praise Song for the Kitchen. Ghosts, stories, and recipes from five generations of black country cooks. That is the plan, so let's get this started with an off Broadway dramedy about alcohol addiction. In the white ship, a talented stage director named Steven. His drinking has escalated from college keggers to adult professional functions where the libations flow to hiding booze and soda bottles so he can imbibe throughout the workday. Despite the drinking, Steven is still excelling at work, starting a successful theater company and directing acclaimed shows. For a while, he is a functioning alcoholic, but only for a while. And then he blows his big dream gig because he's so wasted. Stephen has to figure out how to save his career and his life. He makes a few attempts, attending AA meetings where you get a white ship on the first day, symbolizing the desire to stop. But Stephen starts collecting them at an alarming rate, drinking and returning and drinking and returning. All this while his relationships are dying on the vine. Stephen is a stand-in for director and playwright Sean Daniels, who wrote the semi-autobiographical show, currently starring Joe Tapper in the lead alongside actors Crystal Dickinson and Jason Tam. The White Ship is running at the Robert W. Wilson MCC Theater Space through March 9th. Joining me now to discuss the show is Sean Daniels. Hi, Sean. Hi there. And stars Joe Tapper. Hi, Joe. And Jason Tam. Welcome back. Thank you. We wanted to say Crystal Dickinson was scheduled to join us as well, but couldn't make it. Big shout out to her. We're fans of hers, and we know she's a card carrying member of public radio. She told us once she had a tote bag. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, we want to bring you in on this conversation. What has been key to your sobriety? Was it something someone said or a strategy you employ or a type of therapy or counseling? We want to hear your sobriety stories. If you feel comfortable to share on air, you can call in at 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. You can call in, talk to us on air. You can also text to us at that number. If you'd like to remain anonymous, our DMs on Instagram are open at all of it, WNYC. Sean, where were you in your recovery when you were writing this play? So um, the short story is October 12th, 2011. Well, I should say first it's a comedy because everything I'm about to say is going to sound horrific. But I want to start by saying that it's a comedy first before I tell you that on October 12th, 2011, I tried to take my own life because I had been... It had been so long since anybody had smiled to see me coming, and I had been drinking continuously for months at that time. And uh, on that day, I called uh, the – I always say, like, the woman that didn't like me but loved me enough to answer. I called my mother, who I didn't get along with. And it was, oddly enough, her one-year anniversary of getting sober. And she got me through that night, and she got me into a rehab center. And on about day four of being in rehab – I started to write the play. There's a monologue that's in the play that I wrote on about day four that for the most part is actually pretty untouched since then because I've just always been a part of theater and I've always, you know, it's the world that I know. And part of what you're doing in rehab is just trying to process like how did I – get here? Where did it go wrong? What is, I mean, I think for so many addicts, they struggle with how come they can't just 
make better decisions. You really just – there's so much kind of uh, internalized shame that Mm -hmm. comes along with it that you very quickly try to figure out like what you did wrong along the way. And that's because we don't yet know. We don't yet talk about like the science of addiction. We don't talk about genetics. We don't talk about neural pathways and all those things like we do for every other disease. So I started writing it at the very beginning and I've been so lucky over the last – 12 years to have great um, performers and, and colleagues like our, our Cheryl Collar, our director, and uh, these two actors here mm-hmm. to help me kind of bring it to life and to be able to watch the response that audiences have each night. Why do you think that one section has remained untouched through all the iterations? I think it's really true. I think that uh, it is, you know, I tried to process it by writing it down, and I just think, like, it's essentially the mania of what it is to try to mm-hmm. get a drink when you can't. And uh, so I just think it, I think it stayed because it, it felt very true in the moment. It was honestly what I was going through. And I don't even think I could write it now because I don't know that I remember how how really mm. crazed it feels in those moments to be able to do it. I mean, Joe has to do it every night. Yeah. So he has to live that <laughs> there. Um, but I think like that's why it's it's stuck. And I think, you know, so many people, the, the, the crazy thing about this show, right, is that we've been doing, I think, seven previews. And after every preview, we get contacted by people. Uh, saying first mm-hmm. of all saying congrats you know that's my story as well or saying like how can I get help can I get a copy of the play or can you give me a copy of the play to give to my son brother ex-wife mm-hmm. mom whoever it is and a lot of them mention this monologue and they're always like yeah you got it right <laughs> and it was like I'm not sure it's good writing or it's just that <laughs> it's like just, just I just right. wrote down what was the truth that was happening at the moment and that was my way of processing it so Joe you've played Stephen uh, in other iterations yeah. What did you take from your past portrayals that's really helped you with this one? Uh, well, uh, it just keeps evolving, and mm-hmm. it's been really, it's been really uh, wonderful to experience the show as I grow and as the the work grows and as the world grows. Because mm-hmm. the first time that I did it was in 2019, and. It's a different world oh, than the before than times. The before yeah. times, absolutely. Yeah. And and I would say the thing that I take the most through this now, and I always feel this way, but I feel this way especially now is that I get to do this. Mm-hmm. I this is a this, you know being on stage is not a given, and I get to do this, and I get to celebrate this story, and I do that with with great um, appreciation every single day. And the fact that I get to do it, and it's an act of service, truly. This play is an act of service. Mm-hmm. I am I'm a recovering alcoholic as mm-hmm. well, and you know the twelfth step. The only way you keep sobriety is by giving it away, and this is pure twelve step, pure service for me. I, it's above me. It's beyond me. I, I get to do this every single night. So, um, yeah, and get to do it with these yeah. incredible, incredible with Jason and Crystal. And Cheryl and you, Sean. I, this is—it's just been e- even our crew, our stage manager, uh, Al, um, Elizabeth mm-hmm. and Tyler and Christina. It's just—it's been truly an, an incredible experience. So while Joe is holding down the role of Stephen for ninety minutes, Jason, how many parts do you play? You know, I've never sat down and actually. <laughs> I mean, like, I might be putting out, him on the spot. I think spot. it's somewhere between fifteen and twenty. Both <laughs> me and Crystal play just a, a, a really a large amount of characters, and it is so fun. I love that kind of 
character work, and mm-hmm. it's an opportunity that I don't often get to have, and I'm so thankful for it. It's so fun. What drew you to the project, knowing that you would have to figure out 15 to 20 different people to be every night? Well, that... I, the 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 um sort of the thrill and the victory of really feeling like I'm getting to do ten plays in one play <laughs> because I'm playing so many characters, mm-hmm. um but also because I uh, love theater but I also care very much about um community enrichment and the health of our society and and theater always makes the world better but it often makes the world better in a sort of intangible kind of immeasurable way mm-hmm. and this show is quite literally making the world better and I I as much as I care about the community I'm not a community leader that's not what my strength is but I can make funny voices <laughs> and make funny faces and, you know and so it's so great that like my skill set is really over Lapping with my worldview um, in on this project. I'm so thankful for that. Let's take a call. Jonas is calling in from Park Slope. Hi, Jonas. Thanks for calling in. Hi. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a man in recovery, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and certain principles, you know, have absolutely saved my life, right? And put me on the track to like your, your guests, you know, to just add to the net good in the world. And one of those things that I was, you know, I was, I had my first meeting with my current sponsor, um, he was a friend of mine, uh, but uh, he became my sponsor. And it was a Zoom call. He lives in Arizona, and I was, I was, I had, I was, I was staring down at the rug in my apartment. I was dejected and sad. And he said, first things he said to me, he said, as my sponsor, he said, he said, I have two things to say to you. And I said, okay. And he said, no, no, no. I require eye contact for this. So mm-hmm. I looked into the camera, and he said, one. Don't die, right? That's pretty obvious, right? But the second thing he said was profound to me and to many others, as it turns out, he said, be sweet to yourself. And I thought, wow, be sweet to myself. You know, and I share that, con- that, that concept when I, when I chair meetings. You know, I, I speak at meetings. I qualify. I lead meetings around town. And, you know, I did one uh, last week at, uh, at the MIP in Soho, and, and, and literally two people who shared adults grown adults, you know, both, a man and a woman both cried mm. over the concept of being sweet to themselves. Like, I never thought of it that way. Um, I want to be sweet to myself. I'm not sure I am. I want to be. I hope to be. I ought to be. I need to be. I want to be. You know, and I was just, you know, you can't really respond, you know, when right. you're at the, at the chair, right? But then after the meeting, you know, they came up and they hugged me and I was like, you are sweet to yourself. I can tell. They're like, I don't know. I said, I do know. Anyway, so hmm. just everybody, even if you're not in recovery, just be sweet to yourself, right? Be sweet to everyone else every day, right? Give it away. Like your host said, the only way you can be happy, joyous, and free, even if you're not an addict, right? You want to be happy, joyous, and free? Give away love and joy freely, and you will get it back. And- Jonas, I'm going to dive in. Thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate your contribution to the conversation. We're talking about The White Chip. It is running at the the Robert Wilson MCC Theater Space through March 9th. I'm speaking with playwright Sean Daniels and actors Joe Tapper and Jason Tam. So, Sean, you've seen a bunch of different actors in this part because this has been done in regional theater and around. What's something you've learned about this part and this character you've written, seeing it played by different actors? Um, you know, I think actors are amazing people, and, and I believe that almost any actor can do anything. Though one of the weird things about this show is that Joe is the first actor in recovery to play the oh, lead role. And I think there is and, – and I say that I think actors can do anything because all the actors that did it before were phenomenal. But there's a, a depth, I think, that comes with lived experience. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and there's so much talk about, like, how do we make sure that, like, there's proper representation on stage? And so even in the recovery world, there's talk about making sure that uh, people with lived experience are the ones that are making policy in our country that affects all these people. And so I just think to be able to see someone on stage that understands it. And I feel like the audience gets that too, that they see Joe in certain moments and they think like, oh my God, that guy's been there. (laughs) And, you know, and not that any actor couldn't do that with time, but, you know, Mm -hmm. the truth of the way theater works is it's always a very compressed period of time that you're trying to take a lot in. And and Joe's bringing a decade worth of lived experience (laughs) in these moments. And even it was helpful along the way, you know, there was some stuff that I was like, I think I'm going to cut this. This is weird. And then Joe would be like, you cannot cut that. I, I have said that to myself at four in the morning. And it's totally true. And it's like, all right, fine, we'll keep it. So It's, it's funny. A, a woman came up to me yesterday after the show uh, and she had maybe she had five or seven years in recovery. And and she didn't know that I was I, I had told her that I had like a, 11 years. And she goes, oh, I, I you know what? You did something in the play. And I thought he might be he might be in recovery. He might be. I bet he is. <laughs> How do you? protect yourself personally in this role how do i that is such a thank you for that uh that is such a great question i protect myself uh by acknowledging that the play recovers every every night Mm -hmm. it is it is a, a a 90 minute thing and and i have i i'm aware of that but every night it heals and because it heals i heal with it so um I'm open to it. I'm open to the journey. Like I said, it's it's beyond me, um, and I just I really lean into the fact that it it heals. The play heals. The character heals, and we all go home. <laughs> Jason, you play Stephen's boss in the show. It's a it's a reoccurring character, uh, and he really really wants to support him. He wants to give him chances, but he it gets to the point where he really can't anymore. What's something that Stephen's boss tries? with Steven that seems helpful and what's something that he does or says that just doesn't work. It's such a fascinating character because you're right. I think the boss um, really cares about Stephen, is really excited about the energy that Stephen is bringing into the theater, Mm -hmm. uh, bringing in um, revenue, bringing in audiences, bringing in energy. I mean, that stuff is so valuable for any theater. and is so excited about it that is maybe willing to sweep some things under the rug and look the other way about certain things. Um, uh, uh, I'm getting off topic. You were asking me about what's one thing that the boss says that is helpful and one thing that's maybe not. Um, I think one thing that the boss says that the boss thinks is very helpful is is, uh, gives Stephen a a stern warning, an an ultimatum, Mm -hmm. and then Stephen reacts in a way that he says all of the right things. Um, And and, uh, uh, in a way that makes the boss feel like he's just saved Stephen's life. And, and um, you know, the boss reacts by saying, great, you know, way to man up about it. Um, mm-hmm. As if as if this can just be boiled down to something as simple or as reductive as manhood or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not helpful. Um, I think one thing that the boss says that is helpful i'm trying to think of a single thing <laughs> that the boss i mean well he shows him a lot of love he does he does the, i mean the boss 
uh, it just completely believes in Stephen because he keeps getting these amazing reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he showers Stephen with with praise because, th- like I said, that stuff is you can't you can't pay enough money to get that kind of energy into a regional theater. It's so invaluable. Um, yeah, you know it's interesting when you think about Stephen Joe when you're playing him. He suggests early on that his drinking may actually help him yes. in his work. Yeah. Is uh, in the beginning is he entirely wrong? Uh, well, uh, no, I, I I don't think. I mean, that's at, what's sort of fuzzy at, about that, it. A that's little the bit. that's the that's the trick, right? That's the double edged sword. It's it's certainly something I've experienced in my life. I I will uh, I will admit that like you know when I was. Early in my auditions, auditioning for grad school, stuff like that, I was like, okay, I've got a callback, this big callback for this great grad school that I'd be so lucky to go to. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the local bar and have two drinks and then go to the callback. And hey, the magic came and it and it was there on my shoulder and it all worked out. And 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 um and I think that 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 is that vicious, vicious, vicious downward spiral. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, Sean, I'm really struck by what you said, that, that, that we all go through this, like, how did we get here moment? And I certainly had that in my life. And what's important, um, and you've said this before, and I've heard other people say this, it's really important to acknowledge that we were born that way. We were always going to be that way. Mm-hmm. It was just, there was no way, uh, unless it was a total abstinence, but who knows how it manifests in other ways. But we, we, we were, th- this was, we were genetically created for this. <laughs> and, mm. and, um, and it's important to, to acknowledge that because it's, it isn't uh, a manhood or a strength or a willing. Some, a sweet person came up to me after the show and said, the whole thing about science, I, I have ADHD I can't will it away. It, it's science. And I was like, you're right. Yes, 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 absolutely. Sean, what was a uh, a moment or a scene or an encounter that is in the play that was difficult to include? Maybe it went in and went out. You really had to think about it hard before you put it in. Um, there's, uh, there, the scene where I, I try to take my own life and I call my mom actually has, has changed a fair amount. And I don't think that I got it right until I was a parent because I don't think I understood what it would be to get that call until I was on the other side of it. And then then once I was on the other side, I was like, oh my God, what a a terrible son, you know, but like, but you know, you're very self-centered at the time and you very see it from your perspective. And, you know, and I, I I didn't have a great relationship with my mom. And so, you know, I really saw it one sided. And then once I was a parent to be like, oh, my God, even if your kid drives you crazy like this, you know, everything stops in that moment. And then you have to you would do whatever you could to be able to to keep your child alive. Like nothing matters more. You would give your own life in that moment in an instant, even if you don't like them. You know, and so it's yeah. like I don't think I really understood the scene until I was a parent. And so once I was a parent, then the scene got rewritten. And then I feel like now it clicks in, in just a way that it didn't before because I didn't really understand the true point of view of, of both the characters in it. My guests are Sean Daniels, Joe Tapper, and Jason Tam. We're talking about The White Chip, which is at the MCC Theater Space through March 9th. We're taking your questions and your calls about your own sobriety. We'll hear from a fella named Joe. We'll hear from a Joe from Jersey <laughs> after a quick break. This is all of it. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. We're talking about the play The White Ship, which is at the Robert Wilson MCC Theater Space through March 9th. I'm speaking with its playwright, Sean Daniels, and two of its actors, Joe Tapper and Jason Tam. It is about a talented but troubled director who is struggling with alcohol addiction. We've been asking people to call in with their sobriety stories. Joe from Lavalette, New Jersey is on line one. Hi, Joe. You're on the air. Hello. Uh, I quit uh, April 21st, 1988, uh, when I was 39 years old. All of my children were young. Uh, I had been drinking steadily since I was about 15. And uh, I went to a couple of AA meetings. It, it was good, but it didn't really stick. I read Courage to Change, the book. And uh, my wife worked and I worked and and uh, I felt like uh, I really needed to change, and I went down and gave a talk in Washington at a federal thing with a fellow physician, and uh, on the way back, I got a, on the train, I got a couple of vodkas and brought it to my seat, and he said, what are you doing? Hmm. And I said, I'm just unwinding, and he said, Joe, we've got too much to do to be derailed by that. And it just hit me, and I never took another drink. Joe, am I to understand that you're, you're a medical professional? Uh, yeah, I have a Ph.D. Hmm. Joe, thank you so much for, for calling in and sharing your story. I really appreciate your candor. If you'd like to share your story of sobriety, we'd be happy to have you on there. 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. Joe brought up an interesting point saying, AA, not really for him, didn't, wasn't really uh, connecting for him. And that's a little bit a part of, of the show about the, the character of Stephen, that he is not really interested in engaging with ideas of God as part of his recovery program or a higher power. Um, why was it so important for you to find, uh, to bring this into the conversation, Sean? So, you know, some some like startling facts, right, about addiction in our country, right, is that someone dies from addiction every three minutes. You're more likely to die of an overdose than you are to die in a car accident, regardless of whether you use or not. And more people mm-hmm. died last year from overdoses than died of AIDS at the height of the AIDS crisis, right? And but th- all those three things are fat are true, mm-hmm. and um, we don't we don't really talk about any of them. We don't really have options available to people. We don't. If there was any other disease, you would have multiple different pathways that you could get through. And I think when it comes to addiction, because we believe that it's a moral failing that that that's in the conversation that you know just please uncle brian don't come drunk to thanksgiving this year like we just Mm -hmm. feel like that somehow it's possible for people to do it we don't talk about it and so when you or at least when i was struggling i didn't know there were multiple options out there i just i was court ordered by the state of kentucky to attend 20 aa meetings with my dui and like that was all they had to offer in terms of like ways that you could get. And so when I went and it didn't click for me, I was like, well, now I'm really screwed because this is mm-hmm. the way that 
I'm told everybody does it. So I think part of why we love to do this show is because it, get, it tells people, first of all, that it can be joyful, that it can be humorous, that it can be about community. And also there are multiple, multiple ways, like there are with any illness, for you to be able to get sober and to be able to get help. And lots mm -hmm. of people like this caller have done it different ways. And for some people it's easy, some people it's harder. But um, if you, you know, if you had cancer, you would get multiple medical opinions. You would get lots of options. You would be part of support groups. People mm -hmm. would run marathons for you. Nobody runs marathons for drunks, but someday they will. <laughs> uh, people would bake and break things for you, you know? And so I just think what's, in, what's important to me to get it out there mm -hmm. is that, like, for me, it was a lot of different things, and it was mostly science. It was mostly learning about brain structure yeah. in terms of dopamine, in terms of the reward systems and, and how you get stuck there. And so I just, you know, if people come and say, like, your way is not the way at all, but I want to do it this way, I would say, like, go for it. But I want people to know there are multiple ways to pathway, uh, pathways to recovery. So, Joe, you know, your wife is a great person of faith yes. and a producer on the show. I, I'm assuming you are as well. Uh, or maybe not. Oh, a person of faith? Yeah. Yeah. So what were the conversations like, given there is a lot of questioning about a God in this show? Or how did you talk to her about it? How did you talk to Sean about it? Oh, um, I, you, all things can exist at the same time mm -hmm. is, how, is how we've always approached it. And um, faith kind of has come in and out of my life. So, mm -hmm. so um, uh, yeah, I just acknowledge with with great respect that many many things are true at once, <laughs> yeah. and 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 with an open heart. So yeah, it's yeah, a kind she, of intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, not not only is she a producer, but she's also done such a great job of like taking on our. We have a seven year old, and she is really you know she's letting me rest and sleep. And oh gosh, I I love her so much for that. <laughs> so I have a uh, great great admiration for her. Jason, you play an elderly man with Parkinson's. You play a sassy bartender. <laughs> you play a boss. Uh, do you have a favorite part that you play in oh, the show? Oh, gosh. It, it changes all the time. I, I, I love sassy bartender because, honestly, it's just like it's just the, uh, it, it stemmed from a character that pops out every once in a while just at home. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to lie. He exists at home. Um, and now he's on stage. Uh, um, I, I love getting to play Brit, who is um, uh, uh, you know the recovery specialist towards mm -hmm. the end of the play, uh, particularly because the, the play is so exciting. It's written in a way that is so agile and fast-paced, and it's these vignettes just kind of back to back to back. And then all of a sudden, it, it stops and takes a breath when Stephen goes to this last recovery. Recovery mm -hmm. uh, place, um, and and uh, over the course of four scenes, there's this beautiful arc between Brit and Stephen, where at first they're just like oil and water; they just uh, do not get along. They do not see eye to eye. They have completely different senses of humor, worldviews, um, and over mm -hmm. the course of four weeks, they kind of form this really wonderful uh, um, camaraderie, and I think that's a beautiful story to tell. Let's talk to John, who's calling in from Hopog, Long Island. Hi, John. Thank you for, for calling in and sharing. Hi. Hi, yes. Um, so uh, my story um, is, I'll make it quick. Um, my dad was a uh, highly functioning but uh, alcoholic. My brother was a destructive alcoholic. Mm. And I was a young man watching all this. Right. And so in high school, I was a heavy drinker and uh, smoker of uh, marijuana. I got into college, same thing, heavy user of both. And it got to the point where I was starting to black out 
and uh, mm-hmm. have like anxiety over not being able to get to the keg fast enough, you know. And uh, I was at a party where I really liked a lot of the people there. I was it was a cool party, and I was about a senior in college, and I got to this one point where uh, uh, my beer was getting near empty, and I had anxiety about getting back to the keg in a hurry. Uh, and but I had to go to the bathroom really badly. Um, and I didn't, uh, the bottom line is, bottom line is I didn't get to the bathroom in time. And I had a very embarrassing accident mm. in front of a bunch of people. You know, and that was my, and that was my wake up call. That was my slap in the face. I had flashbacks of my brother's destructive behavior, my dad. Mm. And f- from that, mo- from that moment on, I just made it, I made up my mind and I started drinking less and less and less and I was able to catch it. I was able to have the discipline to cut it out of my life, and now I drink very little. I'm haven't been drunk in thirty or forty years, and uh, so just you know, you you know, there are success stories, I think, and that's you know one of them. It took a lot of willpower. John, thank you so much for calling in. One of the things I that I think is really interesting to play, and, and you have to pull this off, Joe, is that uh, you have to show us. Stephen's descent, but not with a lot of props, and there's like no s- screen imagery or anything. You really have to do it with your body. Uh, talk to us a little bit about those conversations with your director about how we see Stephen physically unravel. Uh, well, the director Cheryl Keller is incredible. I I am so grateful. I I have endless gratitude for her, and I I'm I'm I say this as. It's true. Every great thing in the show that that I do is somehow has come from her. She's she's been such a great, um, uh, a great guide and a great incredible director and and um, collaborator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we just tackled it uh, like like we started this journey five years ago, right? It's been five years or so, and 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 just you know. Slowly, almost without, you know, this is where this is, this is where this is in this life and what that person has and that spirit. And this is, you know, where they transition to in the next. And it happens so fast, but but it has to, it does have a physical gesture mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted to be very specific about that and that storytelling. You know, the difference between a middle schooler and a high schooler and the difference between a high schooler and a college student and then a professional mm-hmm. and then someone who's kind of, you know, at 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 the wits end of yeah. of 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 their journey so it really and- is so impressive what you're doing joe because <laughs> because uh you know not only are you uh, completely um, and honestly, telling the story of of somebody that is uh, going in and out of of um, uh, withdrawal and all of the physical yeah. symptoms that come along with that, but you're you're also stopping every you know. Uh, 10 seconds to narrate because it's and 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 it's the the flip is so specific mm-hmm. and it's so frequent and the going back and forth is is just astonishing oh come on yeah jason is a hero of mine as is crystal so to hear them say yeah. that's incredibly humbling and i reject it <laughs> <laughs> I want to read you a, a dm we had have um and you might this might 
uh, has some resonance for you. Sober 17 years coming in March. I performed on Broadway multiple shows and told myself that performing drunk and high was the line to never cross. That line kept moving until I couldn't do it anymore. I worked with someone who told me they were counting days. He, rest his soul, took me to my first meeting March 6, 2007. I felt seen and heard the community of AA. I'll keep coming back one day at a time. I'm alive. Absolutely. Is there, I mean, in the arts, is that a difficult thing? The idea of trying to stay sober. There are parties. There's so much celebration. Well, and it's it's even worse than that. Like our industry is really set up in a way to not try, you know, like the number of weeks you work is based on whether you get insurance. You're often Mm -hmm. out of town away from your provider. You're not with your your family and friends. And then it's just baked into the culture. We talk about this a lot that you think somehow like that's part of the deal that you make is like it costs you. But this is what you need to be an artist. And and none of that is true. Mm. Um, But I think it's really baked in there. And so one of the things that we're really trying to work on is like, how do we create support systems for artists? How do we really try? It actually, um, so I work with an organization in Florida that's trying to tackle this problem because it oddly, airline pilots, lawyers, nurses, every other industry has things in place to be able to help you, but it does not exist in the arts. Oh, that's interesting. For it to be able. Hmm. If you're an airline pilot and you're struggling, there's a number that you can call. They promise that it's anonymous. Another airline pilot will call you. They'll get Hmm. you the help that you need. But we don't have that in the arts, even though we claim to be the most empathetic people that have ever walked the planet. And so one of the things we're really working on is figuring out like how can we do that support for artists because I feel like it really is baked into our culture. Uh, opening night parties, galas, mm. celebrations. I mean the guys talked about just having to relax on the plane like or on the train. Like, yeah. like yeah. we are all the time, you know, you've worked six days in a row, you you know, you got through an opening, you got a good review, you got a bad review, mm. whatever it is, it's all baked into how as an industry we celebrate or let steam off. And yeah. so we just want to provide resources for people. Why don't you open your mind? You've got to open your mind. Use this to open your mind. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Artists are very creative people. They like to to walk up to lines and cross them. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's tempting and dangerous, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've definitely crossed that line. <laughs> okay, last question. Whose idea was it to put in a uh, flyer about where to get good mocktails near the theater? Oh. I think that was Annalise. I think it was. Annalise and um, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron. Uh, yeah, Aaron. Um, the the producers. Yeah, they 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 have this really beautiful. I had a moment where um, someone came up to me after the show, and I saw this person during the show, mm-hmm. and they came up to me and they said, "Hey, thank you so much. Um, I'm an alcoholic." And I said, "Oh, may well, me too. May I hug you?" And she said, "Yeah." And then she said, "But I'm not sober right now." Mm-hmm. And I said, "But you're here." And we didn't have that flyer, and then the next day we did. Yeah. <laughs> as a as a as a resource, you know, hey, you're here. Take hit this QR code, mm-hmm. and um, there's resources for for support. The name of the play is The White Ship. It is running at the Robert W. Wilson MCC Theater Space through March 9th. My guests have been actors Joe Tapper and Jason Tam, and playwright Sean Daniels. Thanks for coming down to the studio. Thanks, Thanks for having thank us. Thank you so much.